Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I'm going to speak on something today because there's something stirring in my spirit, and I know that everything that God says to me doesn't need to be preached, but this is one of those situations where I felt that it was. And today what I'm going to speak about is return to the field. Return to the field. And this this has just been kind of welling up in my spirit for the past couple of weeks, you know. Um, we did a Bible study recently, and if you're not part of our Zoom Bible study, it's, I think it's pretty fantastic. Do you reckon, Amy? Yes. Yeah, we, we do some amazing things. We teach you how to read the Bible for all it's worth. We teach you how to um, certain techniques of how to read the Bible, and you can do it in your pajamas at home. How good is that? You don't have to leave. You can just put the turn the camera off. We've done someone had a, an avatar, and this this cow popped up on the screen, and you're like, I just don't want to be seen right now, but I want to hear the word of God. And so, so you can come and be part of this um, without actually being part of it, literally, physically, or where we are. You know what I'm saying. Uh, and what we did, we did something called Lectio Divina. Who's heard of Lectio Divina before? It's called, it's called Divine Reading. And what it looks like is you read a passage, so you observe it, then you med- uh, meditate on it. So what does, this, what does this mean? You pray on it, and then you contemplate it. And the verse that we, um, we read, this is about a 15 to 20 minute process, was Ezekiel 36, 26 up on the screen. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Who's heard that before? That verse. I think it's a pretty cool verse. It's It's got so much depth to it. But the thing about Lectio Divina is not specifically to exegete a passage and, and uh, approach it from a place of gaining knowledge but more so approaching the passage and allowing God to speak to you through that passage. So sometimes I'll say to people, like one of our Bible study things, uh, we have something called a big fish question. So what is it your big fish question about in the Bible that you're like, I just don't get it. And so far we've talked about hell. Does hell exist Uh, from a biblical standpoint? We're talking about big emotions, how to deal with big emotions from a... Um, biblical standpoint and I brought a big fish question where I said that um, where context doesn't matter does context actually matter because sometimes what happens within the the Bible is we get so caught up within context that we forget to realize that we're talking to God the purpose of reading the Bible is not to just read the Bible but is to know God I'm reading the Bible not just to gain information yes it's important Yes, but if I read the Bible, and I'm not committing heresy, I assure you, if you know me, I love the Bible. You read the Bible, and the end purpose of reading your Bible is to know God more. So what's going to happen? In tension with understanding context and whatnot, we do go and say, God, can you speak to me right here and right now in this moment? So what I want to do this morning is walk you through the passage and what God spoke to me, and to unpack how the Bible echoes this revealed truth repeatedly. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. 
to the person next to you and say, that's okay, Andrew. You do you. You've got the mic. We listen and take on every single thing that you say. I joke. Uh, January 31st, 2023. Next slide, please. When we're doing Lectio Divina, this is what God spoke to me. This is a, a word that he spoke to me, which I I sat on. And then I was like, all right, God, actually, I, this is what I feel like I need to preach on. Because I actually, each week, I usually, I'll have like a, all right, this is what we want to preach on. And then there's times where God's like, hold up, take a sidestep. I want you to preach on this. Exactly. There's times I've started, I've got so many unfinished messages on Google Docs, because you hear God's voice and you say, all right, what is it that you're saying and you want to say to the church right now? And this one says, and this is what God was saying to me, but I believe it's for everyone. A new spirit I'll put within you. So if you look at Lectio Divina and a new spirit I'll put within you, so that's the part where God highlighted that to me and said, I want to speak to you through this part here. There is a spiritual landscape for your soul to enjoy. There's freedom in the spiritual that I will not experience if I only live by logic, reason, and the tangible. There is a season. This is a season where I need to return to the fields of an encounter with God. It's time to rebuild a bridge that has been broken. If a bridge is broken, nothing can cross over. Return to this bridge to restore the supply route. This is only done by returning to the fields of encounter regularly. So God said this to me, and I was like, far out, I'm trying to lead a Bible study here, and God's speaking direction to me. And then he goes on and says, now I want you to share this with everyone. So I wrote this down, and I've actually got this right in the middle of my laptop screen. So every time I open up my laptop, I'm reminded, return to the fields of encounter. You know, if we look at Psalm 23, it's a psalm of David. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me by still waters. When's the last time that you went and found a green pasture and lay down in it? I know that's very literal, but it's we don't we don't do very often in this, this busy life and we're remodeling at the moment. Because we've had to in our house because the the pipe burst in the front two in our front bathroom. So we we're remodeling. My ear is completely like I can't hear out of my ear and I've been referred to see an ENT. Megs and I are both studying at I'm at Bible College, Megs is doing nursing. We're in the middle of a really busy season. And do you know what? The one thing that is gonna be stolen from you is that green pasture, that peace to lie down. And be like, God, you're with me. What is going to be stolen from you is a thing that restores your soul. So some of us are running on empty souls. Our souls are beaten and bruised. And we're saying, God, why can't I? Why do I 
and react so emotionally in that situation, which is quite, should be a rational thing, or why do I find myself so bitter towards something that I wasn't bitter towards before? Or why, why do I find it so hard to trust you, God? When I remember when I was younger and single with no kids, and even then, it was just a lot easier to find my own time with you, God. I don't know if that's something that strikes home with you, but we really have to return to these green pastures, to the field of encounter. And I know the field of encounter sounds very Pentecostal, because it is. Because we are people who have come from the time of the day of Pentecost. We're people who have been impacted by the Spirit landing falling on the church. We're people, we are, we might not be Pentecostal, you might you might prefer to call yourself some other denomination. I, I say, I don't know if I'm Pentecostal, but I believe in the day of Pentecost. I believe in the power of Pentecost and that the Spirit of God lives in me and dwells within me and I commune with Him and I can encounter Him anytime, anywhere. I just need to return to that place that that time when I would encounter him and lay down. You know, my journey over the past couple of years has really been about you know, spiritual formation, you know, looking at emotional health, looking at theological studies. I love my theology. I'm a, I'm a big nerd for theology. But I was talking, I'm, I'm part of a subcommittee uh, within, within our movement that actually looks out for pastoral health. I got invited to be part of that just recently, about six months ago. And so we look at pastoral health and caring for pastors. And obviously, if you care, your pastor's cared for and you're healthy, then they should be able to love and pastor and, and care. Because the church is a lot better. It's funny how we, we don't take that into account. And I was like, I was talking with this subcommittee, we we're talking about, oh, we need to focus more on like, getting people theologically trained, getting people emotionally healthy, and looking at spiritual formation. And I was talking, and I have all these cool ideas and these things that I've read, because I'm studying at the moment, so I'll study a unit, and I'll be like, this is the most important thing right here, right now, that we need to focus on. And I was talking about this, but then I just, I was praying one day, and then God said, what about encounter? And I was like, God, we encounter you all the time. And God will say, yes, yeah, that's true. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This word encounter has been taken and used in almost very superficial ways that it's like you need an encounter with God. And we say the same thing I've just said. I encounter God all the time. You do not. You do not pray without ceasing. I do not pray without ceasing. This language that says that, oh no, I've figured it out. I don't need those moments, those encounter moments. It's very pride-filled. We need to come to a place where we realize that God is God works through the everyday moments. Yes, liturgy of the ordinary. But he also speaks to us in encounter moments. What are we going to say to Moses and the burning bush? Nah. You can see a burning bush any moment, any part time of the day. 
Oh no, like a Paul. Nah, a Paul. You could have just you could have just seen that in something, or you could have just prayed that when when he met when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. Those are encounters. It, come on, is the Bible full of encounters? It is. Yet, if we go down this path that says that I see that the way that the church has used encounter and the language of encounter and it's turned it into a superficial thing, what we're going to miss out on is the power of God through encounter moments. You don't, do we need to encounter God every single moment of every single day? I don't think so. I think that's, that's quite full on. And we couldn't handle it, to be honest. But there is a space within our lives where we need to do the spiritual formation, look at the emotional health, do our theological study, be part of community, do, be compassionate and care for society and be, and be people of justice and be people of encounter. Anytime that Joshua and Moses would go to the tent of meeting, the cloud would descend and they'll encounter God's presence. Can I ask you, like, just rhetorically, when is the last time that you were so overwhelmed by God's presence that you just broke down in tears and you felt something to shift or change in your life? You know, those things, those things are powerful moments. I'm not saying that if we don't have that, we're bad people. What I'm saying is there's a richness. Like I was saying, if you go back two slides to that, that um, the thing, the January 31st place quill. There is a spiritual freedom that we are missing out on. There is a freedom in the spiritual that I will not experience if I only live by logic, reason, and tangible. If I... If I focus so much on being able to say the right thing and being able to present something well and being able to apply theology to everyday life, that's great. That's a good thing. But there is a second, there's an otherness that we can tap into and a freedom there that God wants us to live in, in a spiritual freedom, a place of encounter. You know, because it says return to the field. God's field is where people grow. If you're planted in the field, you will grow. And the church, if you actually look into the Bible, this isn't just me making up return to the field, oh, it just sounds cool. No, field is very biblical. And when I research what does the field stand for, it actually stands for the church. It says this, for one, one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? This is in 1 Corinthians 3. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded each according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Remain planted in the field, in the church. And the church, at the time of Pentecost, was a time of encounter. 
being spirit-filled. I want to pray for people again and see them healed. I want to prophesy over people and see something come to fruition. Not because it makes me feel good, but because it's what the church was intended for. What is the purpose of growth? It is to know God better. The purpose of growth is not to say, look at me, all my fancy diplomas, all my language that I can spout and sound elegant. Now, my the purpose of growth is to know God better, and if I know God's love for me, I will love other people better. And that's how the kingdom of heaven unfolds. Now, I was, I was praying the other day, I was just driving in between my meetings. I was like, oh God. And I was listening to What a Beautiful Name, and it's like, you know, I was like, Oh, yeah, this is great. That, you know that little bridge part where it goes, and it gives me goosebumps every time. And I was like, oh, God, I just want people to know you. I just want people to know you. I just want people to know you. And that was really what I was, my heart's cry was. Like, we, you, don't, you don't live on this earth and experience the love of God to be like, oh, this is, this is just mine. You do it because you want people to know God. But then God said to me, Andrew, I just want you to know me. My whole heart's cry was like, God, I want people to know you. And that's so funny. It's like, I just want you to know me. And I was like, all right, fair play. Sometimes we can get so focused on the outward external of how we sound, present, look like, how if we fit in with people and whatnot, that we sacrifice knowing God so people can know God through us. And they might not actually know God through us. They might know our version of who God is. And what's happening the whole time is God saying, actually, I want them to know me too. The purpose of reading your Bible is not to read your Bible. It is to know God, to encounter and commune with God. The purpose of prayer is not to pray. It is to encounter and commune with God. And God, in prayer, God instructs us how to pray. The purpose of fasting is not to lose weight. Even though last time I fasted for the 21 days, I lost 9 kilos. And I'm like, let's fast every year. You know, it's like, praise be the Lord. You know, it's like, the purpose of fasting is to encounter and commune with God. It's this, this guy called Dallas Willard. He's massive into spiritual formation. What he says about fasting is you've got, you got spiritual disciplines. And one of the spiritual disciplines is called the, the spiritual disciplines of abstinence, abstaining from something. And then you've got the spiritual disciplines of engagement. Abstinence is meant to lead to engagement. Engagement can't happen without abstinence. I abstain from Netflix to pray. I abstain from reading sci-fi books. I've just finished a great fiction book. I abstain from that, not all the time, to read the Bible to know God. Anything that you sacrifice and withhold from is meant to create a pathway for you to engage with God. You know, a lot of us learn behavior modification in the sense that we learn the principles 
that we retain it as knowledge and information, yet we do not allow it to transform the way that we live. You know, I was talking to a guy over a coffee the other day, and he was just telling me about business principles. And I was like, yeah, business. And I was like, I don't really get business. He said, can I, can I just explain it differently to you? And he was saying that the business and ministry can be somewhat the same, in the sense of we're both trying to help people in some way, not capitalism, but you know, we're trying to help people, we're trying to get the best out of people, trying to help them grow in their role and what they're doing and become the person that they can be. They're saying that the biggest thing for him was learning that in business, there are principles, ethical principles, caring for people, loving people, that I, I can go into business, into church, into ministry, whatever I do, and I can say that I love people, but there's a difference when it actually starts to happen. I can say all the time, God is love. But you can tell someone who knows that they're loved. I can say that I love you. That I will do anything for you. You know the, the whole thing is like, is there anything that I can do for you? That text that we send out, I send it out so many times. And then how surprised we are when someone actually just does something on their own initiative. You know, there's this, this language that we can have and that we can learn through the church tradition that is meant to become a reality through the way that we live. Anything that we do or learn or know God is meant to transform the way that we live. By knowing God, we love others. But first, it must transform who we are. You know, do you attain the knowledge that with man... This is impossible, but with all get, with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Do you retain that as knowledge, or do you allow that to transform the way that you live? If you were to, if I was to say to you the word of God, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Do you walk out of here and say, uh, maybe I need to get a bit more faith, maybe? Maybe for them, it's possible. Does it transform the way that you live? Some of us are so stuck because we've heard this so many times and not seen fruit in our own lives and in other people's lives. With God, all things are possible. With man, things are impossible. But with God, things are possible. I want to be someone you start to see the impossible become reality. I, I think I've just got to a place where I realise that I'm, I miss, I'm missing the, the fields of encounter. I'm missing this reality that, hey, there is a, there's another realm, there's another step for us within our relationship with God where we can start to believe and see things that man says are impossible become a reality. I don't want to live restricted because my theology doesn't allow it. I want to live in a spiritual freedom because God is God. And he's invited me into this field of encounter to lie down in green pastures. Any knowledge without the Holy Spirit is what we call enlightenment rhetoric. 
not we, but what I'm calling it, enlightenment rhetoric. I think, therefore I am. This whole rhetoric that says that if I just think it, it's gonna, it's gonna change, it's gonna happen. But there is this understanding that I can be the smartest person in the room and still maintain the inability to God who transforms me and causes love to rise up within me, do I actually love that person? You can be the smartest person in the room, and I can see some smart people here. But we can still maintain the inability to love our neighbor. We need to encounter the I love the word of God. I love about biblical text. Can I tell you, I get so much more excited about the Bible than anything else. Nisha said to me the, the other day, Andrew, you can just tell when you're preaching about like about something you love, and a lot of it comes. People, the Bible, and it's true. I love the Bible. But do you know what actually really changes the trajectory of my life in an instant? It's an encounter with God. I'm yet to meet someone who has argued into transformation through a theological debate. But I know a lot of people, myself included, who have had their lives changed through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. When I was 16, when I had a church camp, as a 16-year-old, I was a bit of a punk. I love punk rock. I play guitar. You know, I, I was I was doing my own thing. Mum and Dad learned a lot of secrets about me later on in life. You know, my friends they had they were a lot older than me, so I used to get access to things that I shouldn't have had access to at 16 years old. At a church camp, there was this amazing meeting going on. Everyone was praying. The, the worship was amazing and people were prophesying, encountering God, the Holy Spirit was moving. And I, a 16-year-old Andrew, snuck out into the kids' room. They were watching a movie, so I ended up watching that movie. I snuck out because I was like, I don't want this, I don't care. But I remember everyone was buzzing at the end of this meeting and I felt like I had missed out on something. I felt like what actually happened there? What, what did I miss out on? And so I drove, I, we drove home from this camp, we're in Pemberton, and we had this small Toyota Corolla. And so I was in the back seat, a 16 year old lanky kid, but my older brother is the same height, and my sister is real tall as well. And we're all sitting in there, knees up to our, to, our, to our chins. And I had my pillow in front of me, and I was just hugging my pillow. And I was against the window, then all of a sudden, as I was feeling this, I felt like this hand reached out of heaven from over the top of the where the church camp was. Reached out from heaven and grabbed my shoulder and God just said to me, that was all for you. And so I buried my head in my pillow and I wept as quietly as I could, not to raise any attention. I wept into my pillow for about half an hour. So it's like... <laughs> And so my brother and sister are next to me like, is Andrew joking? What's going on? Is he okay? And I was just like, 
And I was just weeping into my pillow. And I was like, I, that's the first time in my life I'd encountered God in that way. At 16. My family was concerned about what was happening until I said to them, I just encountered God. I just felt God say this to me. Not long after that, I got baptized. Not long after that, I actually felt like I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started walking with God. And since about the age of 16, I've been walking this trajectory of my life. God and I studied Bible college, gone to prayer and, and healing ministry school, become a pastor. And the whole time, I can, if there's one moment that I can put it back to, it's that moment in that car, that encounter with God. Have I encountered God along the way? Yes, I have. Do I encounter Him in small ways? Yes, I do. Do I encounter Him in massive ways? Yes, I do. I just don't want to be afraid of this language that says that God is a God that can be encountered. Because it makes Him sound a little less relational. It's like, oh, I'm count. No, God, you're close, as close as a brother. But there's moments, moments that change our life. When I was younger, I didn't know my Bible. I had zero desire to read my Bible. I spent most of my time mucking around. But that encounter changed my life. And not long after that, it put me on this trajectory. And if you, if you want to know God, can you read your Bible? Of course. Can you listen to a podcast? Yes, of course. Can you read a book and talk about God? Yes, you can. But once you have read, heard, studied... The next step is to allow that to turn into transformation by praying to God. Lectio Divina is reading of the word with God in a divine way. I pray to God. I encounter God. I ask God to speak and change my life. I can go away and I can study anything. Gordon Fee says that Bible study without the Holy Spirit is dead. Gordon Fee is an amazing man. He says that we cannot exegete the scripture without the Holy Spirit. If we are going to grow and change and transform, we can't just have what's in our head or our understanding or our degrees. I've met people with PhDs who are jerks. PhDs in Bible college who I would not want to spend time with because they're not kind people. Did they quote the Bible well? Yes. Some of the kindest people I've ever met are people who've never been to Bible college. Some people have never even been and have got a secondary education. You know, they're just people who know the love of God, have encountered it in powerful ways, and are willing to be changed again and again through encounter. God is way more interested in you than your CV. God is way more interested in you than how well you've shaped your personal doctrine. And God is way more interested in you than in your position on soteriology, predestination, or annihilationism. Who cares? Doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're all before God, all saved by the same Jesus crucified for us. At the end of the day, we are all made righteous, not through, we're not qualified through the letter of the law, but through Christ. So I want to experience and encounter Christ. I want to be changed 
like they were on the day of Pentecost. I want to be, I want to encounter God like Paul did, like Moses did. Even Jonah with that big old fish. There are, there are encounters that God wants to speak to us and work things within us. How do we do this? It's finishing up here. A humble, unpretentious faith could rightly be called a childlike faith. When Jesus wanted to bless the children, he said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. How does a child receive a gift? With openness, honesty, and unbridled joy. That type of happy authenticity should be a hallmark of our faith as we receive God's gift in Christ. This is my resolution. This is where I'm going. I'm going to return to the fields of encounter. I'm going to spend time in His presence. I'm going to have childlike faith and believe for anything that God can make the impossible possible. Will I stumble? Will I, will I falter in this? Yes. That's like bringing your mind back again and again. Now, this is my resolution. Honest and unbridled joy. I'm going to lay down in green pastures to restore my soul. Do you want this too? If you want this, let's close your eyes. We're going to pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.